We'd like to offer you a complimentary suite while you're here. It's a penthouse with a view of the park. I think you'll find it satisfactory. It was recently vacated by the Countess of Worcestershire. What kind of hotel allows a child to check in alone? The boy had a very convincing story. What kind of idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. Well, I mean, when you discovered that the credit card was stolen, what I made the discovery. Why did you let him leave? When we attempted to confront him, he ran. You scared him away. It's Christmas Eve, and because of you, our child is lost in one of the biggest cities in the world. Could you take our family and our luggage up to the room, please? Yes, sir. Run along, Cedric. I'm going to go down to the police station and make sure that they're doing everything in their power to find Kevin. I want you to stay here with Frank, Leslie, and the kids. No, I'm going out to look for him. What? With all due respect, madam, your son is lost in one of the biggest cities in the world. Could you stay out of this, please? As you wish. Thank you. I don't think it's a good idea for you to start running around all over New York City all by yourself. I think if our son can do it, I can do it. Okay, but Peter, I'll be fine. The way I'm feeling right now, no mugger or murderer would dare mess with me. Madam, there are hundreds of parasites out there, armed to the teeth. Do bundle up, it's awfully cold outside. What's the problem in which we rewatch movies from my youth to determine if they're problematic by today's standards? I'm Jimmy, and today we'll be discussing Home Alone 2, which was released in the US on November 20th, 1992, and the UK and Ireland on December 11th, 1992. I'm Jen, and it was written by John Hughes and directed by Chris Columbus. It stars Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara, John Hurd, Tim Curry, and Brenda Fricker. What's going to happen is this we have both thought of three problems. And one positive this movie has, and we'll have a discussion about them. And the synopsis is, the McAllister family loses their son Kevin again, but this time at the airport where he gets separated and ends up in New York alone. So this is our Christmas episode, Jen. Yay! Woo! It'll be releasing on the Friday before the big day. So Christmas Eve Eve, this will be getting released. Uh, so we decided to do Home Alone 2 because we've done the first one. Um, and we thought, why not? We won't do the third because I don't think either of us saw that when we were younger because I saw it as an adult and I don't think you've seen Home Alone 3. I've never seen it. Yeah, so we'll never do that even though it was in the 90s, but we'll never cover that one. So what's your history with Home Alone 2? You know, I don't even have to ask, but what's your history Well, no, I was just thinking about it and it. I assume I saw it in the theatre because I loved Home Alone so much. But I feel like maybe I didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. I know. I can't remember either. I know I had a bit of a, an attitude towards sequels uh, at the time. I don't know. So I have no idea when I saw it. I know I didn't like it as much as the first. Um, I've gotten in a lot of arguments with people about it over the years because it seems like a lot of people like it better, which is really weird. Um, yeah, it's in really fact, weird. And I have saved so much trivia that i read for this but one of the things i read was um on the late show with david letterman daniel stern said home alone 2 should have been nominated for the oscar for best picture david letterman disagreed and the two never spoke again (laughs) so there's that so apparently he thought you know it was it was 
great. It's, you know, one of those sequels like American Pie 2 or, or Rush Hour 2 that just takes the exact same formula of the first and does does the same thing for the second. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't it's exactly the same. I don't hate it, though. Like, I remember last time I watched it, I got really angry. Like, I was mm-hmm. really mad about it. And I was like, I can't wait till we do this for the podcast because I have so many problems. But this time I didn't. It didn't bother me as much. I actually enjoyed it. <sighs> well, I enjoyed it a little. I yeah, I I have so many problems. I, but no, I do. Too. I, I don't I, know which three I'm gonna do because I have so many. Yeah, exactly. Same here. Same here. But I, I don't. I don't hate it. The reason I was late recording is because uh, it's so funny. I've already watched Home Alone twice this year because I watched it by myself the other day because no one wanted to watch it with me. And then yesterday, Xander made me watch it with him. And um, today I was like, all right. Made you. I, I was like, well, no, I really didn't want to watch it again because I just watched it. Ah. But, well, I, t- I did take a nap while we were watching it. Fair enough. But this morning I was like, I'm watching Home Alone 2 and you can watch it with me if you want, but we're watching it. And he was like, but can we watch it later? And I was like, no, I literally like have to watch it now. And so he did watch it with me. He did abandon it towards the end. He was like, it's not as good as the first one. But then said, <laughs> then I had to agree to watch it with him again this week. So I may end up having to watch it again. But um, yeah, I, I was I was late recording because he kept interrupting it and saying things. And, and he's, you know, I do love watching him realize things where he's like, this is the same as the first. This thing with the old woman is the same as old man Marley. Like, yeah, kids are not fooled. No, you should get them to watch Home Alone Three, since it's a different cast, but same sort of situation. It's um, it's spies, no spies. It's criminals trying to steal. There's like a microchip in something mm. uh, that the kid gets, and they're trying to steal that. And one of them's a woman, Jen. <gasps> oh my goodness. <laughs> um. Yeah, I can't remember when I saw this either. I can't remember if I saw it at the cinema. I think I did. But, I mean, I can tell you this story. I've told you the story of my going to see Home Alone, the first one. I've told mm-hmm. you that, when we were going to go and we couldn't decide whether to see Home Alone or Arachnophobia, and we went and saw Home Alone. Um, but I knew, I, I know I watched it. I watched it many times when I was a kid, and I watched it with my sister when she was growing up, along with the first one. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think watching it today it actually dawned on me just how much more like the first movie it is than I originally thought mm-hmm. because I knew it always was. But then watching it today, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, it's just the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's just this. It's just a bigger house. Well, taller house. It's not really bigger. Mm-hmm. It's uh, more floors. Um, but yeah, it's some of it's really quite lazy in that respect. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. So who wants to go first with the problems? Do you want to go first? or uh, You can go first in case you have one of mine and then I can mark it off. Right, okay. Well, my first problem is Uncle Frank is still the worst. I fucking hate Uncle Frank. <laughs> he, he tells a 10-year-old child that if he sees him naked, he'll never grow up feeling like a real man. I have a piece of trivia for this. And Kevin and Kevin's dad laughs it off. Um, A scene was filmed but deleted and to this date has never been seen. Um, which is the McAllisters are waiting to catch a flight to New York when Kevin is tracked down in New York by Peter's credit card. Frank complains about Kevin again ruining another Christmas vacation, and Kate and Peter stand up to Frank and tell him to stop. I'm pissed this isn't in this movie. 
It should have been in the movie. Uncle Frank is a total douche. Mm -hmm. The parents let him get away with saying so much. Yeah. My favorite Kevin moment in the, or one of my favorite Kevin moments in the whole movie is when he calls him Mr. Cheapskate. Like this, this 10 year old can see that his uncle is just a big mooch. Yeah, exactly. And calls him out on it. And I love it because Frank, Frank was laughing so hard at that pageant. Yeah. And I, oh, I just hate him. Yeah. And in the first, I mean, in the first movie, he shouts at him and calls him a little jerk. You know, it's it's just... Well, and there's a, a deleted scene from the first movie where he pants him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me that last year. Yeah. It's it's terrible. He's an awful human being. I really wish that scene was in there. Yeah. Them just telling him just to shut the fuck up. Um, I would have went and saw a 12-rated PG-13 um rated home alone movie if one of them just told him to fuck off yeah i want i want a sequel where kevin goes after uncle frank to kill him yeah that would be nice yeah because i mean he does he doesn't do anything later on in the movie once they get to new york uncle frank's barely there Mm -hmm. he's in the background and you don't see him so that is obviously when after the parents told him to stop it Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so that having that in there would have been much better it would have because he's silent. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't even mock Kevin again in the, in the final scenes. Um, yeah, and also, he's showering with the bathroom door open. Yeah. Who, do, who does that in, a, in a, a house full of children? I mean, it's not just unlocked. It's open. It is ajar. And it's, I just think he's gross. I just think he's just a horrible human being and he's a very bad character. Um, who doesn't get his comeuppance, and I wish that scene was in there, Jen. Yeah. So what's your what's your first problem? All right. Um, we will go with uh the fact that this family has not learned any lessons. Like one thing that's always bothered me is you know at the beginning the dad accidentally unplugs the alarm clock. Mm. Why wouldn't you be checking the alarm right before you go to bed? Don't most people check the alarm right before they go to bed, even if they've already set it? Like I know if I've already set my alarm, I still double check just to make sure it's set when I go to bed. Mm-hmm. And these people, after what they went through last year, you would think they would check it, and then it's like it. it it's just like why wouldn't you make sure Kevin's never out of your sight? Yeah. Also, the whole clock thing, uh, they should learn their lesson from last year and just sort of have like one of those battery clocks. Mm -hmm. So then if something happens to the power, then the clock will still be there. It will still be at the correct time because it's run by battery. They should do that. Well, and Frank (laughs) gives them shit for like, you know, having the worst wake up call ever or whatever. Why isn't Frank and his wife setting an alarm? Why are the parents that exactly. there's a house of fourteen people? It seems like maybe mm-hmm. more than one alarm should be set just in case. Yeah, exactly. And of course, we've lost people since the last movie because Heather's not there because she's not part of that family. Yeah. But then we've got a different um, Lenny mm-hmm. because Angela can't pronounce her second mm-hmm. name as as it wasn't in this movie. She decided to go to school instead, and then the year after this movie, she was in Phenom. And Jerry Maguire. She was in Jerry Maguire around the same time. Because it was funny, because she played a tennis player in Jerry Maguire and on Phenom. So I like to pretend they're Phenom. the same character. Yeah. Well, Jerry Maguire was in 96. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I knew it was around the same time, but it's yeah, it's a childhood blur. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I forgot what your first problem. Yeah, the parents, the, the the whole family, they just don't learn. They just haven't learned any lessons. Yeah, I just wrote that the McAllisters are terrible people, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what I first wrote was 
Buzz should be punished for what he did during the Christmas show, but then I wrote, the McAllisters are terrible parents, I always blame the victim. And Peter never yells at his brother for the way he treats Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I wrote. So my second problem, and I said this about planes, trains and automobiles, and I'll say it about this. Seeing the skeleton of Marv makes it far too cartoony for me. Mm. It's it's enough that these guys survive all the violence that happens to them again. Mm-hmm. And obviously Marv really should be dead by all the bricks hitting him in the head. Uh, so we know that these guys are indestructible and they're going for cartoon logic. But the, the skeleton face, the skeleton face when he's getting electrocuted just makes me go, oh, for fuck's sake, John Hughes, stop it. Stop it. Because I imagine that was in his script because he did it in plane trains and automobiles. Yeah. Um, uh, Entertainment Weekly had a real medical doctor analyze what the actual effects of the injuries to them would be. And according to him, the bricks to the face would have caused, at best, brain damage, at worst, death. Yeah. Well, um, Joe Pesci's character, Harry, Harry shouldn't have survived falling out that car. Yeah. He, he, sh- he shouldn't be walking about after that, at least. Um, I've seen a lot of videos about, uh, like, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, like, how do they survive this and blah, blah, blah. But they only ever start from... Um, the beginning of the house with the bricks. They forget about the car bit because Mm. Harry shouldn't survive the car. I think it would help a little if they at least had them slowing down. Like, they just keep going and keep going. And you... Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, at the end of um, Scream when um, Billy and Stu stab each other. And it's Mm. like, after that, everything they do is just, like, slowed down because they're in pain. Yeah, it's like, that's what we needed in this, is at least acknowledging that they are going through extreme pain. Yeah, well, Marv does it more than than Harry. It it does take Marv a little while to get up after getting hit by those bricks. Maybe he's got adrenaline going. Maybe, yeah. So that was just too cartoony for me. So what's your next problem? Okay, this is, we talked about this a little with my last problem, but we're going to, I just really want to get into this. Okay. His family fucking sucks they suck so bad like first of all there is the pageant where like his brother clearly like he does this awful thing he embarrasses him so much Mm -hmm. and what kevin did back like obviously knocking everyone down and everything was an accident Mm -hmm. and the fact that they forgive buzz and then get mad at kevin for it is fucking ridiculous you already talked about frank there's the thing with him and his mom where they have that conversation um, when she sends him to bed and he's like, you know, I wish I wasn't going on vacation with you guys or whatever. Like, you know, he's like, I don't want my family. And she's like, well, you got your wish last year. Maybe you'll get it again this year. What kind of mother is she no, no. that she would say that? It's She left her child home alone for days while she was mm-hmm. out, like they when they left the country. And yeah. she should be still feeling like an, a jackass for it. And she doesn't even know what he went through with the burglars, we assume. No. And even without knowing that, what she did was terrible. And it's like I said before, like, they didn't learn their lesson. They they let him out of their sight. They don't even notice solar baggage claim. Like, I would think after what happened last year, they would at least, as soon as they're off the plane, make sure they have everyone, right? And then what pisses me off the most is after all that, after all that, Kevin, like, he sees his mom at that at the Christmas tree, and they reunite, 
Yeah. And before, well, before he reunites with her, he's like talking about like, you know, what he wishes and like wanting his family back. And he says, I just need to tell her I'm sorry. No, Kevin, you do not need to tell her you're sorry. You didn't do anything wrong. Buzz is clearly the favored child in that family. That family seems to not give a shit about Kevin. And it's as an adult, it's really hard to watch. Yeah. Like, as a kid, you know, it's kind of funny or whatever, and you're like, yeah, kids don't get respect or whatever, because most kids don't feel like they get respect. But when you're an adult, it's like, why has no one called CPS on these people? Like, especially, like, <laughs> and if they behave like this all the time, Kevin Kevin already has been through a lot. If this is how they are all the time, imagine the therapy bills he needs when he's older. It's fucking ridiculous. I know. And another thing that bothers me in that scene you were talking about, that before they leave and she says... um, uh, you got she your says, yeah, year. thank you. Um, she also says when you're ready to come downstairs and apologize to Buzz, mm-hmm. and it's like, what the fuck? Well, and what's the age difference there? Like, Buzz is so much older than him. Yeah, and they should be expecting more of the older, supposedly more mature kid. Buzz is probably about sixteen or something, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, something like that. It must be. It's like he's clearly in high school. And Kevin's still in elementary school. Like, yeah. to expect them to both, you know, be equally responsible and apologize the same and everything. That's, and from everything we've seen from Buzz, how do they not know that their child is an asshole? Exactly. How do they not know? It's, it's clear he's the favorite. Imagine if there was another Home Alone movie with the McAllisters, like, say, two years after this one. It would probably just be exactly the same. Yeah. It would probably still be Buzz's an arsehole or an Uncle Frank's still the absolute worst human being on the planet. At the end of the at the end of the first movie, it's uh, Buzz yells Kevin, what did you do to my room? And then at the end of this movie it's the dad yelling at Kevin for the the hotel bill that he can very clearly fucking afford and shouldn't worry about it anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, but business as usual. Christmas is over. You know, mm-hmm. Kevin's getting shouted at again by his fucking useless bastard family. Well, and it's, I mean, you're the one who lost track of your kid. Maybe forgive him for the hotel bill. Mm-hmm. You know, like, at least, like, I would, if it happened to me, I would prefer my child stay in the hotel room and be safe than be wandering around the streets of New York. Which, by the way, another thing that makes this family suck is at the end, they're opening presents and everything. Kevin just slips out to go see the bird lady. Mm-hmm. They are not, they are still not keeping an eye on this kid. I know. It is insane. I know. And it's like the dad yells loud enough that Kevin, Kevin can hear him in Central mm-hmm. Park. And it's like, maybe the dad's like, you know, I don't know where Kevin is. I'll just shout. If he's outside somewhere having an adventure, I'll just shout in case he can hear me. So he can hear me. And it's like, you're fucking useless. You're all useless human beings. Um, you know, you mentioned like what you know if they would have done the same thing in Home Alone three. Mm-hmm. I'd forget where I read it, but somewhere I read that like John Hughes had wanted to film two and three at the same time, but the studio wouldn't mm. let them. And I would like to hope that if they're doing that, that three would be different. I hope so. But that that's what I remember hearing. But then, and I've always wondered what John Hughes' version of a third one would be. Um, Because he, like, I had read that he had it written. And then Mm. earlier when I was reading trivia, it said during production, John Hughes wrote script drafts for Home Alone 3, in which uh, Macaulay Culkin would return as a teenage Kevin McAllister. And when he found out Culkin Mm. quit acting in 1994, he rewrote the story from scratch. But I would would love to know exactly what his script for 3 was. I, it's, 
it's yeah. so annoying to me that there's knowing that there's just boxes and boxes of John Hughes, and I've said this before, but boxes and boxes of John Hughes scripts out there that will never. Yeah. Like I wish his sons would just publish them. I know that would be great, but the um yeah, because the hormone free that we got was written by John Hughes, but he, like you said, he changed it all because he didn't have the McAllisters. Which is good because it means they didn't recast. Yeah. But it was also it's also a different uh, director as well. Chris Columbus didn't come back. Who did the third one? Um, the, I can't remember his name, but the guy who directed Scooby Doo. Okay, Raja Gosnell. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. He was actually the editor on Home Alone one and two. All right. Okay. There you go. Yeah, he directed three. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So it's still somebody in the family. Yeah, still someone in the Home Alone family. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, right. So, my third problem, but I just wrote Pigeon Lady. Hmm. But my problem isn't the Pigeon Lady. It's it's the way the Pigeon Lady is treated, really. It's mm-hmm. because at the end, she saves his life. And instead of like maybe giving her money or giving her some food, he gives her a turtle dove. And it's supposed to be lovely and sweet. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, maybe maybe treat her to something else. You know she's homeless. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, I don't know, feed her. Invite her to your room. She can shower. She can have Yeah, exactly. Food. Invite um, her somewhere. Say, this lady saved my life. But then mm-hmm. she, he would have to tell his parents what's been happening and they won't believe him anyway. But, you know. <laughs> well, and, like, honestly, I had never thought about this till earlier. And, and obviously they couldn't do this because... It would just be too complicated for the end of a movie. But Kevin should tell Mr. Duncan about her. Yeah. Like, Mr. Duncan would help her. He would. He absolutely would. He would help would. her. And um, he clearly has tons of money. Yeah. And, like, tell, tell, try to try to hook them up so that he yeah. can help her. <laughs> give her a job or something. Yeah. Have Mr. Duncan appear in Central Park at the end. And then Kevin just say, this lady helps save your store. Yeah. Um, you know? But it's just the way it's just... When I was a kid watching it, well, young teen watching it, I was probably like, oh, that is so sweet. Yeah, me too. That is really nice. But now I'm like, no, fucking give her something better than... Because you are only 10 years old, Kevin. You probably might forget her. Mm. it's just the way life goes you have other people that you meet in your life you might not remember who you met at 10 even though she saved your life maybe because at least when you go home old man marley's probably still living next door you remember him oh i thought i had yesterday when i was watching home alone like i never had i'm telling you when i watch home alone Mm. i have different thoughts or notice different things each time it's insane i don't know how this movie makes me think so much but um Yesterday it occurred to me, like, I just started thinking about, like, what is his relationship with Old Man Marley Yeah. after that movie? Like, do they become friends? I like to imagine they become friends. Yeah, and but then Buzz would still be telling stories about Old Man Marley because he doesn't know. Yeah. You know, I, Kevin should probably just tell his parents everything. They need to talk about it in therapy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His parents wouldn't believe him. There's no way his parents will believe him. Oh, so these guys, these guys that broke into our house last year, they just so happened to be in New York this year? Come on, Kevin. Stop making up shite. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of newspaper clippings and stuff he can show them. Exactly. And then just 
Sure. Yeah, exactly. It'll be two years worth because it'll be the first one where they get put in prison, one where they get escaped from prison, and then one where they get put back in prison. Well, and he also has witnesses. Old Man Marley's a witness. The yep. Bird Lady's a witness. Like, yep. if he wanted to, he could really like tell them what happened and convince them. But like, I can't even imagine what they would like. <laughs> I, I've I've always wished we could see. Her. Well, I've told you my idea for a sequel. Yeah, and it's like his as an adult, him telling his mom what happened and her having an extreme reaction to it. Like, yeah, I, I still want to see Catherine O'Hara reacting to the news of what actually happened when she neglected her son. Yeah, she'll probably just look at the camera and scream. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just not. I just don't like the way that they just sort of nonchalantly just sort of. Dis- disregard the pigeon lady at the end mm-hmm. um, with this thing it's supposed to be lovely and sweet then he goes and meets his mum and the, the Christmas tree and pigeon lady's still in the park feeding pigeons mm-hmm. maybe starving uh, starving to death or freezing to death I don't know <laughs> but you know maybe she could sell her turtle dove <laughs> to get some money get some money for food it's it's awful but then john john hughes thinks that this is a wonderful thing Mm -hmm. and that maybe he's showing homeless people in a good light (laughs) um even though earlier on in the movie there's another homeless man that just shouts at kevin and laughs in his face you know it's it's very weird sort of mixed messages about homeless people in this movie Mm mm-hmm um, so what is your final problem? <laughs> it's so funny, like this, yesterday I was talking to, to my husband about it and I was like, I have so many problems with this movie. Like how, how will I, you know, find just three? Yeah. And I told him the one that I knew I had a problem with, like when I started telling him, he immediately knew what I was talking about. Like he interrupted me and was like, oh, I know what you're talking about. It's, um, when he's doing the, um, hotel reservation. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, it's his daddy goes, the father, like that. What terrible wording. The father. I just, oh God, it drives me crazy. Like all I had to say was when he calls and makes the reservations and Dylan immediately was like the father. Yeah. <laughs> it's such bad writing. That is bad writing, like, actually. He could have been like, you know, I'm. I forget his dad's name. And then, you know, and been like, Peter, my kid is coming ahead to check in or something like something to indicate there's a, there's a child, but it's like the father, whose father, like Jesus. Yeah. Like, or God, like <laughs> the father. I don't, ugh, I, hate I, it. I think, I think maybe it's to show that Kevin doesn't know his dad's name. <laughs> but I think he says he just his dad's name, doesn't he? Peter. Yeah. Does yeah. he? Yeah. I think maybe I think he does. So, yeah. 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 He would have to, he would, he would have to read it off the card. Yeah. Yeah. That is a bit weird, him saying the father. So it's like the small thing, but, um, and then, you know, obviously the big problem of the movie that we haven't mentioned, but we did talk about when we talked about him alone, is Donald Trump. Is that a problem? Um, yeah, well, and I know we said this in the last episode, but you can't assume that everybody listens to every episode. So I'm just going to repeat myself, probably, and I don't care. Okay. Um, the thing about Donald Trump is that if you film on one of his properties, you're you're required to put him in your movie or TV show. Yeah. And so they've done that on so many movies and then just cut him out. Um, like, I can't think of any examples right now. I know there was a Matt Damon movie because I remember reading him talking about um, that clause. But um, 
he insists because he wants to be a star, you know, that you're in Mm -hmm. that he's in the movie and he was going to get cut out of this movie as well. But they just left it in when they were doing um, test screenings because they leave a lot of stuff in that they know they're going to probably cut or whatever. Yeah. And when Donald Trump came on the screen, the audience reacted and positively like they cheered. And so Chris Columbus was like, well, his cameo got a a positive reaction. I'll just keep him in. Mm -hmm. And that it's one of the things that's interesting to me about that is when Donald Trump announced he was running for president. A lot of people were like, what a joke. No one's going to want him to be president, blah, blah, blah. Like people like Jon Stewart thought it was hilarious. They're like, who would ever vote for him? And it's like, I don't think anybody realized how popular he's been all these years because this is like 10 years before the apprentice. Okay. Like people talk about how like, that's what made him a star or whatever. And that is what made him more of a household name. But like, Mm -hmm. this is 1992 and a test audience for home alone Two is cheering when they see him. Yeah. He was in a lot of things back then. He did a lot of cameos in movies and TV shows and stuff. I'm pretty sure I knew who he was when I saw this. Like, I probably didn't know specifics, but I knew he was, like, some big, important New York guy. Yeah. Same. I knew that was a cameo, and it wasn't just a random guy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's he's a big problem in it, and it's one of those things that I'm always complaining about, where you go back and you watch various TV shows and movies, and Trump, Trump Tower, whatever, is constantly mentioned. Like, he has been, Mm -hmm. he has been mentioned in so many things over the years that, like, we may have not even really noticed. Yeah. And now it's really, it really stands out. Yep. Yep. Thinking about it objectively, it's kind of cool there was a president in this movie. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, this movie literally had, like, a president in it. And if you think about, like, not the man, but it's kind of like, you know, you watch an episode of Parks and Rec and Joe Biden's there. And it's like, wow, they had a president on their show. Yeah. On this little sitcom. Um, That's just, that's interesting. It is, yeah. I mean, take, in, take away who he is and what kind of person he is. Mm-hmm. The cameo itself is brief. And it is just sort of... I mean, if you know who Donald Trump is when you're watching this in 82, then that's good. It's like, oh, that's I know him. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's, it does what a cameo is supposed to do. Um, it's only because we know what he's like now. It's like, oh, God, can't I can't do it. I can't watch him. Well, it's like Hefner. Like, Hefner cameoed in so many things. And it's... Um, I mean, plenty of people had problems with him before, but, like, it's been in recent years, like, since he died, that stuff has, like stuff has really come out about him like there was a multi-part documentary series about him that was horrifying um there was a podcast (laughs) that was horrifying uh one of his like um his wives from the what was that show called um there was a a show i mean i don't remember the name of it there was a show that was specifically about like his three girlfriends Mm -hmm. and i said wives before i meant girlfriends um and one of them wrote a book and really got into like the mind games he plays with the women and the way he manipulates them and stuff. And it's like, dude was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like we won't even get yeah. into the dog fucking. Like he was a bad, bad guy. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, I forget the name of the documentary, but it's really good. Um, <laughs> but he, it's like he and Donald Trump, it was like one was East coast, one was West coast. Like mm. in, especially like in the nineties, those are your cameos. Yeah that you have for those places and like even small children know who they are i knew who Hugh hefner was as a kid 
And it was probably for yeah. the same reason I knew Donald Trump. It's because he just like showed up and shit. Exactly. I really hope nothing bad comes out about Stan Lee. Yeah. It's just hope that Stan Lee was actually the man. <laughs> Don't do anything terrible. <laughs> um, can I, this is totally off the subject and I still have uh-huh. stuff to talk about with this movie, but can I tell yeah. you about, we started talking about this before we recorded. Can I tell you about my experience with the Santa Claus? Uh, yeah, the, the, the TV show, Santa Claus. Well, means... just the whole thing. So we watched the Santa Claus and I talked about how I was interested in the other things and especially the Santa Clauses mm-hmm. because I've read stuff about it being both very conservative and a little woke. And um, so I watched Santa Claus 2 mm-hmm. and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I watched Santa Claus 3, which is like supposed to be like the worst, like it's supposed to be so terrible. And they even mm-hmm. made it uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short um hosted snl last week and steve martin even made a joke about that movie um because martin short played jack frost yeah and i used to not enjoy martin short's comedy but i think that only murders in the building has actually made me a fan now and i can yeah. stand him a lot more and so i, wa- I watched santa claus 3 and i actually really really liked it mm-hmm. and so now i'm watching the santa clauses and basically <laughs> because we watched that first movie for the podcast Mm-hmm. I'm like so into the Santa Claus universe. It's ridiculous. I quite like the second movie. I think the second movie is really solid. I really enjoy all of them. Yeah. It's, it's been really fun watching them. And it's, I was just like, I'm so glad, you know, we did this. I had, I did that for the podcast because yeah, now I'm good. like quite taken with this whole little, little universe. And I need something Christmas besides Home Alone to obsess about. Yeah. No, that's great. That's good that you enjoyed them. I mean, I do like the first two movies. Um, but the third one I've only seen once and I didn't enjoy it at the time. But I might enjoy it more if I see it again. Um, because I will watch the TV show eventually. Not this year, but I will watch it eventually. I've got too much to watch this year. I want to finish Wednesday and. I've got a couple other things I want to watch. More Christmas movies. Yeah, the TV show. The TV show's cute. Like, the kids they get for it mm-hmm. um, to play the elves are great. Those that those movies in the TV show have always been really good at casting the elves. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things that really impresses me about them is that the, the kids are so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tim Allen's own child plays his child in that show. Oh, really? So... Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. Daughter, his daughter in the show is his daughter in real life. Okay, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, but yeah, I wanted to like I talked in in our Santa Claus episode about how I wanted to watch more, and so I wanted to give an update about the Santa yeah, Claus yeah, yeah. journey I've been on the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I have an update mm-hmm. on um last week we were talking about Christmas songs, mm-hmm. and we we both we mentioned all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. Yeah. And at the time when we were recording, I didn't know that that song was actually at number one in the UK charts <laughs> at the time we were recording. And we were also talking about Last Christmas by Wham, and that mm-hmm. song is currently number one in the UK charts right now. Wow. So. <laughs> I, you know, and I've actually played that on the jukebox in the bar a few times in the past week. Yeah. And I am shocked the bartenders haven't skipped it. Like, I I wanted to play Christmas music, but I have to be careful not to play, like, anything traditional and annoying because I know that people are going to probably complain and it's going to get skipped. And yeah. so I discovered that the jukebox app, Touch Tunes, where you can find almost anything, that it actually does have... Uh, at least most of the OC Chris Mika album 
Mm-hmm. And like a lot of the alternative Christmas songs that people don't really know, like I found yeah. them and I was so delighted. Like I couldn't believe the OC Christmas soundtrack from like almost 20 years ago <laughs> was on there. It's great. Um, but the only like somewhat traditional Christmas song I've been playing on the jukebox is Last Christmas. Yeah. To get back on the subject of uh, Home Alone 2, can I tell you about a disappointing moment in my adult life? <laughs> Anytime you want, Jenny. Okay, yeah, great. <laughs> um so dylan my husband dylan and i we have a couple friends chris and allison and for a few years we were getting together once a week for dinner and games and we were all really close and we would at christmas have a christmas a gift exchange you know we get each other gifts like Mm -hmm. like you do maybe not always as an adult with friends but that's what we did and um God, and Allison's a really good gift giver. She still is. She works at um, Books A Million Corporate. And so she, she'll she give you books that you didn't know existed, but that you want as soon as you see them. Like, she, she's yeah. so good at, at gifts. One year, she got Chris, and she did this in front of me. Bitch. <laughs> she, you know what she got him? What? A talk boy. Oh, dear. I was so <laughs> jealous. And I'm like an adult, right? Like, I was probably like early to mid-30s when this happened and so i'm having to keep my mouth like i'm trying not to show my jealousy mm-hmm. but i was so insanely jealous that's a good gift it was very upsetting for me it was a really good gift yeah you know that the the talk boy was actually just made as a prop for the for the movie and then the company made it asked permission to actually make the thing um and then released it but then it didn't have the whole sort of voice changing um, module part mm-hmm. on it. It didn't have the voice changer, so it didn't sell as well. But then they changed it and put the voice changer in and it sold oh, big God. time I'm in still 1993. Pissed I, don't have one. <laughs> I still want yeah. one. That would yeah. be so cool. So can I read you the, the rest of the trivia that I saved? Well, we haven't said our positives yet. Oh, we haven't. I forgot. No. <laughs> right, what's your positive? Kevin's a really good kid. Yeah. Like, Kevin is actually a really good kid. Like, when he gets in trouble, it's in reaction to this terrible thing his brother does, right? Mm-hmm. Like, otherwise, he's really, really good. Everyone's mean to him. This One of my favorite scenes in the whole thing is him with the bird lady at, at what is it, Carnegie Hall. Mm-hmm. He's so sweet. He's so sweet to her. And the thing, like, we can talk about how, like, he should give her money and stuff at the end. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, he is still a little kid and maybe isn't quite thinking about it. And so his, like, going back to find her and thank her and give her that ornament, it's a very sweet moment. Like, the kid is just, like, anything he does that one might consider bad, like, you know, almost killing the burglars mm-hmm. is it's in self-defense yeah, or absolutely. like trying to yeah. keep from getting caught by the hotel people. Like he's a sweet kid, mm-hmm. which makes me even matter at his family because he's so nice and they just shit on him all the time. Exactly. But I just like, I just like that. Like he's just, a, it's, it's nice watching Kevin and he's a sweet kid. And obviously Macaulay Culkin kills it he's really good in these movies yeah no he has a sweet kid he's a good a good kid but the, yeah my problem is more with john hughes not writing a better ending for the the pigeon lady yeah. rather than yeah. anything kevin does yeah my positive is and it's the exact same as the first movie it's the stunts mm. i just love grown men throwing themselves about <laughs> um and getting hurt for the sake of a movie 
uh, for like two seconds of film of them hitting the ground. I just enjoy watching it. Joe Pesci actually burned himself when he had his head set on fire. Mm-hmm. He actually got he actually suffered burns. Oh my god! Um, which is not which is not fun. Um, but yeah, but the the professional stunt people didn't hurt themselves, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, can we do a runner up positive uh, for the music? Yeah, I have the I have I have the soundtrack for the first movie, and that's I play it at Christmas time. Like it's it's fantastic, and the music in this movie is is really great. John Williams. I mean, it's obviously it's going to be good because it's John Williams, but um, it's one of the things that makes it like to me one of the classier family films. Yeah, is like there's a lot about it that like family films can be very silly, which this one is a lot sillier than the first one, like with Tim Curry and Rob Schneider and everything. Yeah. But um, one of the things that makes it feel like not a kid's movie, but like an actual like like a film, you know what I mean, is the is the music. John Williams will just class up a, a movie. Anytime he's on it, you know. I mean, he just he just does that with his music. Well, and there's this thing that um they do where they'll have um a movie, they'll play a movie, um like here it's at our performing arts center, and they did it with Harry Potter several years in a row, where they would show a Harry Potter movie, and the orchestra would they would have an orchestra actually playing the music live mm-hmm. during it. And I have a friend, I'm really jealous. Uh, this was in Oklahoma City, so it wasn't here, but uh, she went to go see Home Alone with a full orchestra playing the music along with it. And it That'd sounds magical. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing, yeah. Um, yeah, I also like the songs that they chose in here because they, mm. they had a couple of brand new songs for the, the movie. The Christmas All Over Again by Tom Petty and Heartbreakers, which was actually written for a charity album. Uh, it's a very special Christmas, it's called, uh, which was released in the same year as this, but they got permission to use it in the movie. And uh, All Alone on Christmas by Darlene Love was the official theme for this um, movie because there's a music video with Macaulay Culkin in it. And Darlene Love was Murtaugh's wife in the Lethal Weapon movies. I just like to point okay. that out every single time that I mention her <laughs> name. Um, and the song was written for the movie by Stephen Van Sant from the E Street Band. Uh, and it features musicians from the E Street Band playing in it. So, yeah. I, I agree. The, the soundtrack is great in this. The music, the songs, the choice, mm-hmm. song choices. It's it's perfect. It's just, you can listen to the song choices as a Christmas album on itself. Yeah. You know, it's just so good. Yeah. So, you want to you want to say some some trivia i also i have notes as always i've tried to say some during this but um but yeah you you give us a bit of trivia then after one scene macaulay culkin asked joe pesci why he never smiled pesci told him to shut up (laughs) at the time pesci said he's pampered by a lot of people but not me and i think he likes that and i love that because i have like there have been a couple times throughout the years where i had a friend with like a big ego Mm -hmm. and i won't be like cruel or anything but i will take him down a peg every once in a while because it's like yeah you're like my best friend he's got a huge ego on him Mm -hmm. and so every once in a while i will argue with him and (laughs) lightly put him down i'm trying to think of an example it's hard to think of an example but um, yeah well he's like he's a clearly like very um like conventionally handsome person Mm -hmm. so if he says something about his looks i'll sort of say some shit about his looks because (laughs) i can't feel too bad about it because he knows 
you know? Yeah. But yeah, the idea that like Joe Pesci's just like this kid is pampered and I think I need to not do that. I like that. Yeah. Well, Macaulay Culkin got about four and a half million for this movie. Yeah. Which was yeah. the highest a child had ever been paid. So much money. Yeah. When I watch it and that French guy's talking to him on the plane, I'm always wondering what he's saying. He says a lot. Yeah. He says a lot. So this is what he says. And he says. keeps talking when Kevin's got his headphones on. <laughs> this is this is what he says. What's that? I'm from France and I'm a tourist here. So this is my first time coming to America. Do you know a good restaurant? Or maybe your parents, they know a good place? Why aren't you responding? You speak a bit of, bit of French, right? I don't speak English at all. Give me a bit of help at least. My name is Andre. What's your name? <laughs> That guy's an ass. Um, oh, and this wasn't in the IMDb trivia, but I, I did check and the hotel bill that he racks up would be around $2,000 today. Yeah. But apparently the carpet was removed from the plaza lobby for one scene so he could slip and slide on the floor. And the plaza mm. owner liked it so much he never had it refitted. There you go. I thought that was interesting. Um, apparently Chris Columbus stated in interviews that he thought this was better than the original. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this one I thought was important just because we did this movie. <clears throat> Macaulay Culkin's father, Kit Culkin, wouldn't commit to him being in this movie until the producers signed him to star the in The Good Son. Yeah. Because he didn't we want to typecast. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to mention that again because it's weird. Yeah. And also maybe people haven't listened to our episode on The Good Son. Yeah. So. They might not have heard that, but yeah, that's that's what Kit Culkin did. That's how that's how Col- Macaulay got four point five or whatever yeah. million. Well, and I have one more, and this is something I haven't done in a while. It's my fucked up trivia from IMDb that is ridiculous. I hate it. I enjoy these. In the shower scene, Kevin used an inflatable clown doll and a recording of Frank singing in the shower to fool and spook the concierge, Tim Curry, into leaving his hotel room. Curry played the evil clown Pennywise in Stephen King's It. Why? Just because there's a clown in this movie? Like... That's not that's not trivia. That's not trivia. That that's a real stretch. That's one of the biggest stretches I've seen on IMDb, and I've seen some bad ones. Yeah, that's so. just naming something else that someone was in. <laughs> well, and that's cast. the thing is, like, one of the pieces of trivia was just listing off the movies Joe Pesci was in that year. He did do a lot in '92. Yeah, he did. But I don't need to see it on IMDb trivia. Like, no, I you don't. Go to his page if I want to see what he did that year. Exactly. Um, I. I can only imagine that Kevin already had that that um, inflatable clown already blown up. Oh, God, I never thought about that. Because it would have taken them ages to blow that thing up, to put it in there. So he must have had it done before, just in case he needed to do that exact thing. Yeah, there's there's a one of my problems with this movie is just that there's too many holes like that, like things where if you think about it logistically, it doesn't work. And um, yeah. And injuries to burglars aside, the first one... Like, anytime somebody tries to tell me a plot hole with the movie, I've got the answer. Because they yeah. covered everything. And in this movie, there's a lot where it's like, really? But that's what happens when you rush a movie, yeah. isn't it? It's like, you, you need to get a movie out because of the success of the first one. I My notes are as follows. We have an Ali Shidi cameo. Mm-hmm. Ali Shidi's in this movie, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> she had just done Only the Lonely for Columbus and Hughes. Uh, and Macaulay and Kieran Culkin were in that movie too. Okay. Only the only starring John Candy and Ali Sheedy. Duncan's toy chest isn't really that impressive because it's more just like Christmas decoration store rather than a toy store. Yeah. Um, and Chris Columbus is actually in that scene. 
just before we meet Mr. Duncan, you see a guy holding a little girl and they're looking at decorations. That's Columbus. Okay. Um, my next note is, did that sex worker just proposition a child? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Thought so, thought so, yeah. Um, Brenda Fricker is a the pigeon lady, and she's an Irish actress. Uh, she was popular in a British medical show called Casualty in the 80s, but she won the Best Supporting Actress Oscar in 1990 for her role in My Left Foot. Okay. So she's an Oscar winner. Well, and apparently she was the one who presented Joe Pesci with his Oscar, like, I think in 1990. Well, 91, maybe? I, yeah, I don't know. It's something I read earlier, but it wasn't one of the million pieces of trivia I saved. Oh my god, there was so much trivia for this movie. Yeah, because she, she won in 1990, so she would have okay, done so in 91. the present in the 91, yeah. Oh, I think maybe it was like, I think it might have said in the trivia, Goodfellows, and then parentheses, 1990, because 91 would have been for the 1990 movies. Yeah. Um, she was most recently seen in British TV miniseries Holding, which is based on a novel written by Graham Norton. Okay. So, yep. That lip quiver that Tim Curry does after Kate slaps him makes me chuckle every time. Because <laughs> he's trying not to cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is funny. Um, but I think that's like the most subtle thing he does in that movie. Because I love Tim Curry, but he's not subtle at all in this movie. He's mm-hmm. quite over the top. Yeah, he and Rob Schneider, it's it's a lot for me. It's, it's, it is. It's a lot. Having them together is a lot, yeah. It definitely is. Yeah, so that's all my notes. That is all my notes. And I have an update on our... Um, every time I go onto YouTube, they keep showing me the fucking dance scene from Wednesday, and it's like I've <laughs> watched the episode. Stop it. Yeah, an update on our YouTube channel. So I messaged you last week and said that, that Scrooge had, I think it was one point. 4 million, uh, 1.4 million, why I'm <laughs> 1.4,000 in like two days or something like that. It was something freaking insane. Mm-hmm. It's currently setting at 1.5,000 after a week. Okay. Um, And All I Want for Christmas, which was released on Friday, we record this on a Sunday, this was released on Friday and it currently has 395. That's weird. In two days. Um, Yeah. For the longest time, it was setting at nothing. Pippi Longstocking is at 1.7 now. <laughs> And Poison Ivy's still staying at, at um, 14,000, so people are fed up with that one. They've, <laughs> everyone who's been wanting to watch that and listen to it has done it. Yeah, Scrooge has proven popular, but we did get a comment on YouTube from Caspian McLean, um, and they said, I'm guessing lots of new viewers are people who came and checked out your YouTube channel after you mentioned it in the podcast last episode. I didn't know you had a YouTube channel until that. So that's a possibility. Yeah. That pe- more people are, um, since I'm saying it more <laughs> on the podcast, that we have a YouTube channel that people are coming to it. But then the videos are just our episodes. It's just mm-hmm. nothing... But yeah, any any lessons or whatever is is highly um thank you. I don't know what I'm trying to say. We're doing quite well on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> for an audio podcast. Yeah, it's always weird when you realize like, oh, people are paying attention to me. I know, it's strange. I mean, Drop the Pilot had quite a, a, a loyal audience. It did have quite a lot of listeners, but yeah. Right. So 
next week will be our New Year's episode and I have decided, because it's my pick, <laughs> I've decided that we're going to do um, The Poseidon Adventure from 1972. Okay. And Jen's never seen it. And now she's, now, only now, even though she knows we were doing this a few weeks ago, now only now she's going to check to see if it's available in her country to watch. <laughs> yeah. How do you spell it? P-O-S-E-I-D-O-N. Okay. Well, let's see. Right. 1972. There's a few versions, so 1972. Well, I would have checked sooner, but I kept forgetting. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to need you to send me a copy of that. Right, okay. <laughs> That's fine, because I have it in Blu-ray, so I'll, I'll send you a copy of it. Um, I'm quite surprised that's not streaming in the US. Yeah, it's like, I mean, you can rent it, but as far as, like, all the services go, it's not... Yeah, it's yeah, not I'll send them. you. I'll send you. Not everything is streaming. Yeah, that is very, very true, Jen. So that's all we have time for. If you'd like to follow me on twitter um i don't know how long i'm going to be on twitter for but if you'd like to follow me on twitter it's uh, at drop the pilot pod or at shifty b i'm also on mastodon um although you can't you're not allowed to say the word mastodon on twitter now uh because you know you get suspended um (laughs) yeah exactly so the Website is shiftybench.co.uk. Contact at shiftybench.co.uk is email address. Uh, uh, where can people follow you online, Jen? I'm at Pilot Inspectors on Elon Musk Twitter, and I really do need to join Mastodon. Please do, because I've only got one follower. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd like to have more, but um, I think that a lot more of my followers are actually gone over into Mastodon, so I'll, they'll catch up with me eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So thank you for listening and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.